0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Humanitarian AI Today, a podcast series produced by the Humanitarian AI Meetup Groups in Cambridge, San Francisco, New York City, London, Toronto and Zurich. Today we're interviewing a very special guest, Rudraudab Mitra, founder of Omdena, um, and you prefer to be called Ru. is that right? Welcome, welcome today and thanks for joining us. How are you?
1: Thanks a lot, Mia, for inviting me. I'm doing good. I'm actually in another part of the world. I'm in, in Poland now. Oh, wow. But, uh, and cool. it's cold, uh, and, and, but I'm doing good.
0: Right. What are you doing in Poland?
1: Well, I travel a lot. So I, I basically spend a lot of time in Europe. So I, I like Warsaw, being in Warsaw for now. I was just in Barcelona a few days ago, and before that I was in Romania. And, and I'm coming to the US in a couple of weeks. So I thought, okay, I'll just spend a couple of weeks in Warsaw.
0: How are things over there?
1: It's good. I mean, I think it's one of the the most fast-growing city in Europe. I think the city has changed a lot over the last four or five years, mm-hmm. and and it's really really nice place to 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 live actually.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned earlier you've been doing lots of your own podcasts and and your way of life. So you're in the flow, traveling. What made you start on Denner? It's it's relatively new. Do you want to walk us through that journey and and how that started and where you're at now? With Absolutely. That. Mm-hmm. And where you're going, maybe.
1: So I think the, the, how it started was like two years ago, I was spending a lot of my time just traveling and speaking to different conferences. And I met a lot of people. And what I observed were a couple of things. The first thing that I observed that there's a lot of talented people around the world who are often living in remote parts of the world, like not in the main cities like San Francisco and London or, or Newark. But because of online education, primarily in AI, they have now access to knowledge, the same as anyone, say, in Stanford or MIT has. But they don't have access to opportunities. And I wrote an article two years ago about the future of work. And I kind of wrote that, can we build a world where no matter where someone lives, they have equal access to opportunities? So that was the first motivation. The second thing that I observed that a lot of there's a lot of talk around AI for good and for social good, but not a lot of people are actually doing something in that. And also during the course of uh, meeting a lot of organizations, and I'm also a mentor of Google Launchpads. I was uh, mentoring uh, startups in the World Food Program. And I realized that there's so much of AI could be used to, to, to solve problems for, and help people at the bottom of the pyramid. People who don't have access to healthcare, don't have access to uh, banking, um, are suffering from conflicts. But not a lot is being done in that space. Um, And and I wrote a book on that creating value with AI, showing how AI can be helping that that people at the bottom of the pyramid. But that was just like one way of like doing something. But then I thought, can I actually build something? So I saw on one side, all these people who have talent, but don't have opportunities. And on the other hand side, there are organizations who'd hugely benefit from building using AI. Um, So I said, okay, maybe I can create a platform where people can all over the world can come together, collaborate and not compete. And that's very, very important that I always believe People should co- collaborate and not compete um, mm-hmm. and solve these gro- problem, social problems in the world. And that led to Amdena. When I started it, I didn't believe it would grow so fast because in some ways it completely goes against traditional way of thinking that I'm bringing people who have never met each other, who are not necessarily a, like the most, say, most, most talented people, different time zones, different cultures, and giving them a problem in most cases where they don't even have access to data like they have to even find the data um and expect them to somehow collaborate and there is no management It's purely a bottom up driven approach um but to my surprise it did work it it, it actually works really well that people start collaborating uh, started working together trying to uh, set up calls together and and build models um
0: so so what does that look like from ground up do you mind just um unpacking that a little bit walking me through you know how do you find people is it all online or do you um what's that process
1: so the process is whenever our organization comes to us says okay hey, we want to build an ai model for this problem well, often they don't have access to data and or don't even have data and often the problem is not that well defined it's kind of high level well defined high level problem so we post it in our website and we post it via linkedin and then people start applying and we have been extremely lucky that over You know, hundreds of people apply normally to to be part of these challenges. And these are not only people who are um, necessarily in uh, like people in Africa or in Asia, but even people in MIT and Stanford and CMU and Google, they also apply to be part of these challenges because for them it's a way to give back. So then there's a selection process. So I kind of try to make a call with almost all of them or at least some of them. And then once a group of 40 to 50 people are selected based on certain criteria, we put them together in Slack. And then we do a kick-off call. Okay. In the, in the kick-off call, the organization comes and presents the problem, so the people actually understand what is the to, and then let the community, that small, that group of 40 people, 50 people, try to discuss together, break down the problem into multiple tasks, and then drive the whole thing bottom up, where they start uh, collaborating, discussing, trying different models. Quite well described by one of the guy who actually uh, part of the challenge. He wrote that. This was, to him, the first week was a complete chaos, and the chaos led to the best models and the best idea mm-hmm. uh, winning over. Because you don't try to structure a top down; you're not putting a structure top down. It's let it just the, the community come together and create the structure from from complete chaos.
0: And and, and how, how it, did how did that happen? Like, were you did you f- give a framework around it? Like you're calling it chaos, but. What came out of that chaos?
1: So what happens that um, so since we have the Slack, uh-huh. so people are discussing in the Slack, right?
0: And then, so that's
1: true. Yeah, and then they can create different the task. The, let's say they have to to solve a problem, and then they can break down the problem into multiple subtasks. So one guy says, okay, let me build the task on data collection. Let me one guy says, let me try an unsupervised model, and then the some of the people from this community says, okay, I'm interested to help you in this particular task so slowly right. this or- organization is this task are multi- broken down into multiple and then they start working together okay. and every week there is a call so that every week all of the task uh, man- the people in the task present what they are doing so everyone is able to know what others are doing and then the structure is-, is somehow created from that
0: right it's really lovely how you've connected um the ai for good field in in such a real way and um, and where where
1: do you think things are headed now so we we have grown quite well in the last 9 months so we have done around 15 challenges involved over 800 people from 76 countries mm-hmm. so wow. that's the first one that we have done we have built really uh, not only that we have built uh, sub, um, we have involved people we have actually been able to build very interesting and sophisticated models we have been even covered by the next web and different magazines have covered the work that we have done so this is, to me, is a very innovative way of doing what we have done till now. I think the next phase that we want to do is, um, the f- second phase would be to scale this up, So to show that you know this model of mo- collaboration uh-huh. is the best way to build models, which is ethical, inclusive also. Right. And that's very, very important because I'm actually not, the structure and the people are bottom up. So that's. And co- co- uh, collaborating, so that's the next phase. Is how can we scale this up to the next level where we do more projects? We perhaps involve uh, companies who might be want to uh, to build models for their own uh, purposes, but they have distributed employees. So they may, we want to show them, look, this is the way you can actually work um, and and involve people. Uh-huh. So to me, the way we are going is not only we are building the future of of AI or future of AI for good, but to me, it's a direction of building the future of work. So this is how I see the future of work, is how can you involve people who are distributed, come together, collaborate, and build something uh, Great. and solve problems.
0: Can you, can you think of um, a problem on how you've matched work to what you're doing, like from from this community or this? So
1: let's say that uh, it's just a future vision. Let's say what can happen. Is um, there are these massive organizations like banks and things like that, mm-hmm. and they have open employees distributed all over the world. Yep. Currently, I think a lot of time once they, the the remote the, the remote work is often that they are working in groups in one place, and there's another group of people in another place. They're still somehow working in silos. Mm-hmm. So if we could show that, that, look, there is a way in, in which can you can be anywhere in the world and still be part of this bigger group and work together and build solutions and involve people from all different backgrounds and cultures.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, go on. Sorry to interrupt.
1: Yeah, I think that's the direction that I'm kind of thinking if we build the future of work that way.
0: Yeah. Now, it reminds me of someone who I... Unfortunately, didn't get to meet in person, and unfortunately, probably never will, because she just passed away. But her her name is Layla Jana, and what she did, she was the CEO of Samasource. She she wanted to end global poverty, and she she found something that uh, used artificial intelligence data to connect people to work mostly in Africa and, and all sorts of places. And, and as you're talking, it just really reminded me of her work. And I'm just wondering, how do you stitch that all up?
1: Yeah, I think that ultimately where I want to go is we are building AI for good. And I think that's great. But I think what I'm, emp- I'm really driven by is empowering people who are in the remote part of the world. Mm-hmm. And what is the direction we are going towards is where education is going to be everywhere. So everyone has access to that. That knowledge yeah now the question is how do we give them the equal opportunities also
0: So this this initiative was called give work and the reason I'm mentioning it is simply because it sounds very similar to what what you're doing and and I just thought I'd plug it in um, because because um, it's helped a lot of people in poverty-stricken countries uh, get work so I'm wondering what the outcome that you're hoping for or you're finding is, is happening with Omdena um, so far?
1: Yeah, so what I've, uh, so one side is the work, but another side that also we found out a lot of people who collaborate, they say they learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that what we are building is also the future of education in ways. Right. The best education is where you are not only just reading in theory, but a lot of online courses give you the theory and you solve some problems, but mm-hmm. when you actually give them a problem to solve in real world. And and then they they collaborate and solve that problem together and they learn a lot. So that to me is education. Also,
0: are, are you finding you're dealing with students mostly? Like what what's your audience? Um, I know it's bottom up, but it's it's from all over the world. You said seventy six countries. Can you so can you the, the, tell me
1: more? The age group is the youngest that someone has participated in our challenge are sixteen, and I think the oldest was in his late sixties or seventies. Students, yes, but not students necessarily in the early 20s. A lot of our women, actually, almost 30 to 40 percent of our collaborators are women, which is quite high number compared to uh, any AI team that you can see in the world. The reason that a lot of women, um, maybe housewives or who have done work and doing these online courses are now looking for opportunities. Mm -hmm. So they are in their 30s, uh, mid 30s, even 40s. so, so, so the, the, there is there is a, a wide range of group of people. There are people who are in their 60s who who are who had worked and I've who done PhD in physics and now wants to do machine learning and in AI in this field. Mm-hmm. So, for so the age group, there is no such kind of one common age group that you can see.
0: Yeah, no, that's pretty diverse and and very inclusive. Um, we're particularly interested in, in AI challenges and, and this thing that you're working in partnership with the UN's uh, World Food Programs Innovation Accelerator, you know, the one headed by Kyriakos uh, Kuparis for AI for Disaster Response and, um, you know, looking at improving response during cyclones in particular, that's the disaster and the focus. Um, and you've partnered up and collaborating with with them. So that sounds really exciting and it's just been launched, I understand. Is that something you can maybe give us some more information about? Uh, so sure,
1: we just finished one challenge, so mm-hmm. just before I'm giving a background with mm-hmm. Impact Hub in Istanbul.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that the goal of that was also something similar, was given if an earthquake hits in Istanbul, what would be the safest route to reach from point A to point B. And often the safe route is not necessarily the fastest route given by Google Maps. Uh So we we build this kind of a a solution that, giving an earthquake, let's say in in this case of a disaster is an earthquake, how to reach from point A to point B. And actually our next web picked up that, that what the work that we did, they wrote an article about us saying, we build a model to unite families after earthquake. (laughs) That Uh was the title of the article. So that was the part one of it. And now what we want to do further on with the World Food Program is that when a disaster hits, one of the key problems is uh, disaster management, right? Like how do you provide the right logistics to point A to point B? How do you supply uh, the, the people what to do, what not to do? That's a key challenge that often a lot of uh, relief teams uh, end up facing. So our goal is to kind of build a model that can help us- Okay. This is how to to, to what, how to prioritize the task, or how to what to do, what not to do, what what next to do, what are the different tasks we should be doing. We're kind of creating a, a disaster plan. That's a quite a broad scope. So that's why I said it. When we start a challenge, we start with a broad scope and give that to the community. And of course, since it's a two months, we cannot solve. That. That's a quite a big problem. So the community will try to narrow down the problem mm-hmm. to a bit more specific. specific. We'll look at what data is out there and try to build a, a model that kind of at least solves a part of that big problem.
0: This is much, much more um, information than you'd get from Google Maps. How, how does that happen? What, what are you using? And, and, and then who has access to this?
1: So for the Impact Hub, the code we made public, we, oh, we just made yesterday, the, the oh, it's an open source code, uh, so anyone can have a look. The articles are all in our blog. In our website so people can go and read that um, so anyone has access to that um, in fact it was interesting that I got a email from a PhD student from Sweden and he said that he could utilize what we have built in refugee camps so mm-hmm. what how did we build this model of safety is what we did if we use satellite images to identify bent de- buildings and that helped us to understand the density of buildings in a given area and once an earthquake hits, the safest route would be to, which bypasses the densely populated uh, areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting part of all of that is that when we started using the open street map, that, the map, that but that the data was not fully uh, complete. So we had to build our own model using satellite images, identify the buildings, density, created a heat map, and based on that, we build our safe route. So that that's what we did. And the guy in the refugee uh, who is working on the refugees, he said that he could use the same model of identifying buildings mm-hmm. because there is a patterns of refugee camps also to kind of, you know, identify how to plan a refugee camp properly. Mm. So, so, so there are multiple ways you can apply what wow. you have built uh, in different sectors. And where uh, are the refugee separate...
0: camps you're referring to? Are they in Turkey or?
1: No, no, this is a completely a separate mm. uh, Guy who is working in refugee camps.
0: Oh, to, uh,
1: the Swedish uh, guy. Yep. The mm-hmm. Swedish PhD guy. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying that we can, you can apply what we have built in the in this in the context of uh, earthquakes could be applied in other contexts, which I was not aware of. So mm. we make the code open.
0: We ma- write articles
1: yeah. and then let people read it, and they say, "Oh, okay, maybe this, we can apply this also in my context, which is like in the case of refugee camp, because I'm not aware of that." So, so that's how we work, and same with the World Food Program that we we want to. We understand that's a problem, so we want to narrow down to a specific subset of that big problem, and that would be based on the data that we can gather, mm-hmm. uh, what is out there, and, and then we will build uh, a model from that.
0: Great. Okay. So yeah. so, so you chose the earthquakes, and then you're moving on to this um, cyclone. What what was the um, reason for cyclones? Do you, do you know why, why that was chosen?
1: so we don't necessarily choose the problem what we choose mm-hmm. is the organization right. so i know the guys in the world food program so we actually worked with world food program last year our one of the first challenges were with the world food program in nepal where we use satellite images mm-hmm. to identify the type of crops and and then uh, i get to know the people in the world food program uh, in in munich and and they they said okay let's run another challenge uh, could be quite interesting so i said what is one of the biggest problem that you guys want to solve and they say okay our one of the big problem is disaster management Mm. so they came up with the problem rather than we choose the problem
0: yeah no it's probably linked up to you know frequency and and everything that's going on i would imagine but it it sounds like um um that that sounds what's the timeline on that i i understand um it's been launched how can people help collaborate in this i know i know there's um some information, so, do you do you have anything you can
1: share? Yeah, so it's in the website omdena.com, um, so mm-hmm. people can go and apply. So the application stage is still open.
0: Excellent. Uh, the
1: challenge will start on Thursday, so we are almost closing, like we already have around 40 people selected. So over the next couple of days, we'll close the, the application process. So and we'll that's start... March
0: the 6th, is that right? March the March 6th, 6th is on Thursday. the day
1: we start the challenge. Right. Uh, where we bring in 40, 45 people, uh, the people from World Food program will come up, will they will present a problem and then we start and then it could be two months long and then after two months we'll we'll deliver the work.
0: Wonderful. Well all the best. Sounds super um helpful and uh, interesting and what what do you anticipate you're going to um get out of this? You know, are you I'm not sure is it is it gonna be like a, a disaster repository of data for um, cyclones like what do you think it's gonna bring you as a challenge what are you anticipating
1: well i i have i i'm not to be honest anticipating anything at this point you know and it kind of comes to the point of life philosophy that i was talking to you before that i kind of don't live life in anticipation Mm -hmm. what i'm doing is they came up with a problem which i think is a very interesting problem to solve i bring the community and let's see what the community comes up with.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so it's I, completely open at this point. So what's been satisfying to you in other projects, like the earthquake one, that, that you, you, you were completely maybe blown away by or you, know, you just found this methodology is really fantastic you know, and, uh, and, and the flow is the way to go? So I think the, we have run 15 challenges. On the side of the
1: organizations, that what we have been able to give them the work, that has been really, really interesting and and for me. For example, Meli, who is the Impact Hub co-founder, he wrote publicly, he said that uh, he, Omdena was the best thing that he has seen in 2019. And for him, that the idea that you can bring people together and solve something, social problem, is, is amazing. So that's yeah. something I, I get out from every single challenge. That we On the other hand side, I also get out from this is these people who are collaborating. Often people are... In different parts of the world, um, mm-hmm. they are coming together. They, they are uh, they, they are getting experience, learning from each other, inspiring each other, and that's again something really, really. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's lovely. That inspiration is yes, price- and these
1: people. Some of the stories of these people are super inspiring. Like I put them mm-hmm. out from time to time. Um wow. And, and 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 for example i can tell you like a lady, a girl in pakistan who grew up in a village where women are not allowed to study and then she still studied and did an online course and she part of the lab lab.
0: wow
1: or, or someone in somalia who's a refugee and now lives in kenya and she was part of a, a challenge working for refu- solving the refugee problem in somalia uh-huh. so, also um like, for example, for the, this challenge with the World Food Program, we got a lot of applicants who said that they want to be part of it because they themselves were saw disaster firsthand. They were part of, they saw cyclones hitting their country. Um, today, I spoke with a guy from Orissa in India, and he saw that I saw cyclone hitting my state, people dying from that, and I want to be yeah. part of solving this problem. And Absolutely. That's what I get it from it, talking to mm-hmm. these people, bringing them together, giving them the opportunity to solve problems.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. That makes it real and I I completely see what you're doing now that you gave those examples and and it democratizes and it enables and it it just um gives access to people who you know normally wouldn't and 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 then it's applied. So that's really brilliant. Thank you. Exactly. Wow. Okay, so join in the challenge, everybody. That, that I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. Um, watch this space in two months' time. We'll see what's out of this. Um, so is there anything else you'd like to share about um, your journey, your flow, um, your life? Well, I think that's one part of which is how did I end up being
1: here where I am now with building Amdina and everything, is that which uh, I try not to control my life so much. Uh-huh. And and go with the flow. Um, so three years ago, I left kind of all, all everything, and I thought, let's let's see what the life brings in. And and I started writing, and I got an opportunity to speak. And I would have never thought in my life that all of this things would have happened. And because of all of that, the idea of Amdena came. And I'm I, I think that we take life too seriously. And often I see that people have these goals, and they want to achieve this goal in 2020, and then 21. And, and I I say that that creates stress. Instead, if we just move back and just observe uh-huh. things around us and just live with the flow. And, and I think that that actually ends up being much more um, fulfilling and much more effective in a way. I just yeah. wrote an article like a week ago, say live life effortlessly. Uh-huh. And uh, my argument is that do things that feels effortless don't do things that feels like an effort and what i mean is effortless is which feels like very smooth and i i work a lot but that feels still effortless so that's the something i want to share with with everyone is that uh, i think we had to to take we we're trying too hard to achieve things rather than mm-hmm. i i said just let it be flow and and great things will come
0: yeah so it's hard for people to just be themselves and do that maybe in the system we're in and and perhaps education needs to be more nimble and address um just the way people are today but that that's great advice thanks for sharing that um i i think that's brilliant and the younger the better rue really like how old do you think kids should be starting to to really getting to know themselves and get into that effortless space of, you know, being. It's, um, it's important. How did, you, how did you connect to that? I,
1: that's, a difficult, that's a question that I might think I'm thinking, but I think being, growing up in India perhaps had an effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned meditation in school. Um, right. Of course, you know, that was still kind of, we took it in a fun way, but still, there was an, an aspect of spirituality uh, growing up in India. I think that had a part of who am I uh, today. But I think that about the kids, I I think that children should be taught about meditation and this way of life way early, like five years, six. It should be like in the schools, they should be taught. Uh Um, And I I think that that effortless way of life would really go a long way in building the world more happier, more peaceful, uh, less conflict. Because I think a lot of things that happens in this world is because of self ego and kind of, you know, like uh, I want to be, better than others. And this is the same thing. That's why it connects very well with Amdena, because I never understand why do we need to compete? Because the the way education system and work is, it's all about competing. They teach us to compete. They teach us to be the first in the class. You have to be better than the others. So right from the childhood, we are always told, compete, compete, compete. And we are always competing, fighting with each other. And imagine how powerful it would be if we stop competing and start Working together.
0: Yeah, and the collaboration part is so beautiful. It's the inspiration. Don't, yep. exactly, don't get it, like but, but, yeah. But Sorry, I don't want to cut you in. I just want to stitch this back to AI and maybe, you know, the biases there. Is AI competitive or collaborative? Is AI how can we make AI good and, and really truly do no harm? Is that something you think about when you, you know, work with AI?
1: Thanks for asked this question, because I actually wrote an article a few months ago, and, right. and next week we'll repost it. It's about, I argue that why women should lead the AI. Um, and when I say that, that the argument that I put is that women are by nature, or the feminine energy is by nature, is more collaborative. And we will end up building more ethical and adoptable AI if we build it collaboratively. There are statistics in the 80% of the AI system that we build is still not applied in real world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Because it's, it's, it's built by mostly say male who have no understanding of the, the ground realities. So we need more collaboration. We need people to come together from different stakeholders, from different backgrounds. And right. I often say that we need people who are building the system at once who are actually facing the problem. People who have intrinsic motivation to, to solve the problem. Unless you involve them, we would, I don't think we'll ever be able to build systems that people will adopt and use it. Yeah,
0: it's and really this important.
1: Is, yeah, this is really, And this, it will be also ethical because we don't want to build something that we will be using, We think is unethical. So that's where it comes to what we are doing. So I'm saying what Omdena is doing is showing that there is a way in which we involve people at the grassroots, people who are actually facing the problem also. Give, they have access to knowledge because that's the key thing that happened over the last five years, that online education, that they have now access to knowledge. Give them the opportunity. Let them come together and they will solve the problems. Don't rely on governments to solve your problem. Let's solve it ourselves together. And, and we will then build AI systems which will be ethical, adoptable, trustable.
0: Right. And that's, and that's, that's, that's empowering it. as well. It puts the responsibility in each individual's hands. And hopefully... Hopefully, people will think for themselves as a result. Let's hope for the best. Um, But in closing, is there anything else you want to share? Is there anything you need? I don't want to use the word help, but we've got a community here of um, humanitarian actors mostly or people in the data science community who, who want to do good things. So what's your call to action there?
1: So I will say a couple of things. Feel free to add me on LinkedIn. I always like to connect with people from all over the world. Uh, Mike, I'm coming to San Francisco uh, in, the, in the month of March. I'll be spending three weeks there. would love to meet people locally who are, who are there. Awesome. Um, and, and, of course, the third is that if you want to be part of them, then feel free to apply via the website. Are, we will post challenges every other week. After the World Food Program, we'll start a challenge with, uh, with Arizona State University, and an organization called Shaping Edu, trying to understand the effects of student loans. Um, so we will run a lot more challenges, so feel free to check our website and, and then apply for those challenges. Gotcha.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today and um, for sharing your insights from Omdena and everything you do. It's been great talking to you. That brings this edition of Humanitarian AI Today to a close. Thanks, Ru. Bye for now.